we're going to continue our series called The Path of the Exile. And I want to start off with uh, somebody you might not think of as we've been going through this, but somebody who definitely was an exile, and his name is David. How many of you guys know the story of David? David, uh, he, he was anointed to be king. Before he was king, there was a king Saul, who was, uh, you know, who was ahead of, of him, and, and, and all of a sudden, King Saul got pretty jealous. And so he's hunting him down, he's chasing him down, David's on the run, and that's where we find David in this story, that he's on the run from King Saul. And then as he's on a run from, from King Saul, he runs into another king, and he's, I mean, have you guys have ever been in these moments where you're like, okay, not again, like now what, you know? And so 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 12, it says, David heard these comments and was very afraid of what King Achish of Gath might do to him. He was already being hunted by one king, and now he's got another one here. So watch this. So he pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. I don't know what comes in your mind when you think of King David, but have you ever thought of King David like this? You know, because he, so he gets into this situation, he's tired of all this, and so he just pretends to be crazy. Starts scratching on the door, starts drooling down his beard, okay? He's got all these authority figures in his life. How many of you guys have ever had a boss in your life that just made you just want to go crazy? Anybody ever have something like that before? You're like, I just will do anything. I will feign insanity just to get out of this situation, that's exactly what David is doing. I had a boss one time, uh, we would have to drive in, in between jobs to go different, different jobs. And man, as I was, I was in this vehicle and I was stuck riding with him for like an hour at a time and there was nowhere to go. And he would just constantly be rambling about his conspiracy theories and then also about his theo theological craziness. I mean, he had all these weird ideas and there was nowhere for me to go. I'm trapped there. I'm like sitting there. I want to bang my head against the window. I want to hope the door opens so that I can just roll out on the highway because it's got to be better than this, right? So we, we've all experienced things like that when you've had, you know, maybe a bad situation, an authority figure or whatever. And that's what leads us to this place we are in 1 Peter. Now, what I love about going verse by verse through the Bible is you don't get to skip the parts that are you, you'd rather skip sometimes, right? And so that's, this is kind of one of these parts in 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 13, it says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Now, that's, that's, how many of you guys know that scripture would be a whole lot easier to do if the people in charge of us or the authorities over us in whatever capacity were actually doing those things, right? They were actually punishing evil and praising good. But how many of you guys have been in a situation, maybe you're in one right now, where you're saying, the person who's over me, whether that be a boss or maybe even, so it could be a parent, it could be, I don't know what your situation is, or maybe you're looking at, at government or whatever you're looking at, but, but you say, that's fine, but my bosses, my authority figures aren't doing those things. So what do you do then? What, you, know, you might say, well, you know, my, uh, they're not doing the good, they're doing the evil, it's all upside down. How many of you guys have ever been there before, right? What do you do when somebody who's in authority over you, that could be a spiritual leader, that could be a natural, it could be whatever, what do you do when they have authority over you, but it doesn't seem to be going the way it should be? 
That's what we're gonna be talking about today. And, and I want you to understand, this may shock you, but when Peter's writing this letter and the group of people he's writing the letter to, there was probably a very good chance that he was writing this letter and the recipients of it were actually going to be real slaves. I mean, actual slaves. Now, can you imagine getting this Instruction, if you are in a situation, and we'll read later on, he's not just talking about a good situation, but he's talking about when things are really, really bad. Because when Jesus was born, slavery was a global norm. That was just part of the deal in ancient times. In fact, about 40% of the world's population were slaves in Jesus' lifetime. I want you to let that hit you for a second. 40%. That's crazy. Some, some estimates uh, say that in ancient Rome, 1.5 million were slaves. Uh, in the Muslim world, between the 1100s and the mid-1900s, there were somewhere around 17, almost 18 million slaves. In fact, in any given time in ancient history, in any, any culture, you would find somewhere between 10 to 70% of that particular culture would be in slavery. That's, that's hard for us to imagine, isn't it? But now imagine that. Imagine being in that situation where 70% of your population, most everybody you know, would be enslaved in some way, and a lot of them being enslaved in unjust ways and being treated very, very poorly. And then you hear this instruction from Peter saying, hey, be, and you'll see later on, honor these people, even if you're in an unjust situation. So you think you have it bad at work, okay? Let me just start there. You think you got it bad. These people really had to wrestle with this. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 says, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put silence to the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free. Remember, he might be talking to slaves here. He's saying live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So he's saying whether you're slave or whether you're free, use your freedom to honor. That's crazy, right? So we're gonna talk about what it's like to, being, uh, to be under authority and how we can be under authority well. And so I'm gonna give you three thoughts about being under authority. And the first thought is this, being under authority teaches us how to honor. Because it's easy to honor when people are honorable, but being under authority in the various situations, it actually is training grounds for honor, all right? So let's go back to David. David is being hunted by Saul. You remember that? There's this one story, this is a famous story, that David, all of a sudden, he's been hiding in caves, and, and, and by chance, Saul comes into the cave, and no one, his guards are around, and David is right there, and David has an opportunity that he can finally take out Saul. Now remember, Saul's, a, Saul's the king, but Saul is being, being an evil king, right? And so he has this opportunity, and he goes up to him, and he cuts off a little bit of his robe, and, and people are saying, no, this is your opportunity, this is your opportunity, and he says something very famous. He says, no, I am not going to touch the Lord's anointed. You say, well, how is he the Lord's anointed? He's doing evil. There are people in, in our life that, that 
God is wanting us to have this attitude towards that we, no matter what they're doing, no matter how badly they're treating us, that we are not going to touch the Lord's anointed. Now, I'm not saying your boss is anointed or that all these authority figures are anointed. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we have a posture towards the authority figures that is good in our heart towards them, no matter what's happening on the outside of us, amen? And so that's what he's saying in this, in this part of the scripture in 1 Peter. How many times, let me just ask this in your mind, how many times have you touched the Lord's anointed with your words, maybe to other people? Or maybe even just in your thought life, like, oh man, I just wish that if, oh man, if I had the chance. See, Peter's saying that's not the way that we honor. We are to honor those who are in authority. If you have a bad boss, what are you supposed to do? I'm teaching it right now. You guys aren't getting it yet. If, if we have a bad boss, what are you supposed to do? Honor, right. All right, now, what, what, about, what about the president? Are you supposed to honor the president? Honor the president. All right, let me just take a little bit further. For those of you guys, because some of you guys were okay with that. How about Nancy Pelosi? Are you supposed to honor? Yeah? You guys got some work to do. I'll just tell you that. I'll just tell you that right now. We are to honor. What if t- kids, teenagers, you say, well, my parents aren't being fair. What are you supposed to do? Honor. See, if this was easy, it would, we wouldn't even be talking about it, right? But we are supposed to honor. First Peter chapter 2, verse 18, it says, servants, be subject to your masters. Again, he's, he's talking to people who are in situations much harder than ours. And he says, be subject to your masters with all respect, Your translation could say honor, not only to the good and to the gentle, but watch this, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. He says this, he's like, for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? He's saying, listen, if you screw up and you take the punishment for it and you suffer for that, it's like, yeah, well, what credit is that to you? Like, that's, that, that's, that's something that is expected, right? And he says, but if you do good and suffer for it, you endure, for this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Let me tell you something about honor. Those of you guys who uh, are in these situations where you might be wrestling with this, Let me tell you something about honor. You honor by faith and not by sight. Because if all we're doing, and listen, we're getting ready to head into a marriage conference here in a couple weeks. This works for marriage really, really well, okay? Because you don't always see something honorable in your spouse. You don't always see something honorable in your boss. You don't always see something honorable in our leaders. But we honor by faith and not by sight. Because we are people of faith, so we walk by faith, not by sight. So what are we doing? We're honoring with the believing the best in other people. First Peter 2, 21. Let's just keep walking through it. It says, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. So you honor by faith and not by sight, but watch this. You also honor because you're a part of the Jesus way and not the world's way. It says he is our example. We could choose to go the world's way and just honor people who are honorable, or we can choose to go the Jesus way, who even, it said that even when he was reviled, there was no deceit in his mouth towards other people. What a way to live, right? How many of you guys have trouble maybe 
speaking up and admitting when you're wrong. Anybody have trouble? I have trouble with that sometimes, okay? Let me tell you something I have more trouble with. I have more trouble keeping quiet when I'm right. And when we find ourselves under authority and the authority may be wrong, there are times when you may be right and it's hard to still honor, right? And I'm not talking about compromise. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But we honor because we're part of the Jesus way and not the world's way. Now, if you have somebody who's an authority over you, we're talking really about these words honor and obey because we, we see that here in these scriptures. But what, what, let, me, let me just kind of ask this question and I know what you're thinking, okay? Because some of you guys are thinking, okay, I can honor, but am I supposed to obey all of my authority figures? I mean, am I supposed to follow that through? I mean, if my boss wants me to do, what am I, how, where's the line? And let me give you the answer if you're wanting to know. Always honor, this may surprise you, sometimes obey. I'm gonna explain that. Always honor, sometimes obey, okay? Sometimes obey. Let me give you an example. When the scriptures say to honor your father and mother, it says to obey them, right? How many of you guys have ever heard that scripture? How many of you guys have used that scripture towards your own children? Are you like, okay, remember, it's the Bible, God said it, right? Here's the thing, I'm 42 years old now. Guess what? This may be a shock to you. I don't obey my parents anymore. <laughs> it's not to say that I'm always at odds with them or I'm disagreeable. I'm just saying that I don't, oh, at one point I was under their authority, but now I have grown up and now I don't obey my parents. But here's what I do. How many of you guys know? I honor my parents. No matter how dishonorable they might be or your, your situation, no matter how dishonorable, you don't have to obey, but you do honor. Now, if you're a kid in the house, you obey, okay? So that's how it works, you know? But I just say that to say, always honor, sometimes obey, and I'm gonna break this down even further for those of us in different situations. Watch this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. So we rewind the tape and go back to verse 17. We skipped over this one. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, that's, that's the people of God. Fear God, honor the emperor. Can you see the tension in the last two statements? Fear God, honor the emperor. What am I saying? I'm saying we can always honor, honor everyone, but there may be times when your fear of God causes you to not obey those who are in charge of you. There are times in our life when we, because you have a higher authority, remember, we obey the highest authority in our life, okay? So that's always going to be the default. Our highest authority in our life is God above every other authority in our life. There may be times, and there have been times throughout history where people have had to make a decision. Do I honor the leader that is in front of me or do I honor Jesus? We can think of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where this, we went in the very first week and they had to make a decision. But because they honored and obeyed God over everyone else, there was a conflict. But even in their stories, they still honored, okay? So, so being under authority teaches us how to honor because you have an, a higher authority. Now, if your authority figure comes and tries to, if they're just making it hard for you, then sometimes you may just have to endure and just to, to you might be some suffering a little bit. But if they are pressing you to sin against God, that's where the line is drawn. If they're pressing you to have compromise in your integrity or whatever, that's where the line is drawn. 
And I, I could just think all throughout history, we could think of even just on the topic of slavery and, and, and in Europe and Wilbur, William Wilberforce and how all of a sudden he had to go against the system and, and to fight for what was right above all else. But what most of us are tempted to do when we get frustrated in a job situation, in a church situation, in a family situation. Most of us are tempted and we get frustrated with being under authority. We get tempted to just check out altogether and just not be interested and just to say, forget it all, I'm not even gonna try anymore. How many of you guys have ever been there before? Like, forget it all, I'm not even gonna try anymore. So to help put you in the mood for that and get paint a picture for that, watch this, this is funny. Would you walk us through a typical day Good luck with your layoffs, all right? I hope your firings go really well. Okay. Just a disclaimer, I've never seen that movie. I've heard just, I, I've just seen clips, but they're pretty funny, I'll just tell you that. But if we check out, we're gonna miss out. If we check out, we're gonna miss out. So the first thing about being under authority is it teaches us how to honor the, the second thing about being under authority is being under authority prepares us for being in authority. Being under authority prepares us for being in authority. Uh, back to David, even while being hunted by Saul, David was honoring Saul. Uh, he, he, then David became king. You remember that? So finally Saul gets taken out. David becomes king. But then David has a son. In 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 25, it says, Now Absalom, this is David's son. So now David is king. King Saul is gone. Absalom was praised as the most handsome man in all of Israel. He was flawless from head to foot. He cut his hair only once a year, and then only because it was too heavy, when he weighed it out, it came to five pounds. I don't know why we need those details, but we needed them, I guess. But, but in other words, what was happening? The, revol the, the roles were now reversed. If you remember, when King Saul was king, the, the ladies were singing about David. Now King David's king, the ladies are singing about Absalom. And all of a sudden, the roles have been reversed. And the similarities between King Saul and King David and the opportunities for them to, to be, I mean, now it's like David is now in the position that Saul was. And it's, and it's crazy, a, a crazy reversal. But then something happens. David didn't betray King Saul, but Absalom betrays his own father as king and tries to set up his own kingdom and tries to take away the kingdom from King David. And watch this in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 13 through 15, it says, and a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. He would stand there at the gate and he would win their hearts over. It was a, it was a betrayal uh, uh, that hurt, not just because he was one of his men, but also because it was his very son. Then David said to all of his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, he says, arise and let us flee or else there will be no escape for us from Absalom. Go quickly lest he overtake us quickly and bring down ruin on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to, king, to the king, behold, your servants are ready to do whatever my lord the king decides. So in this moment, King David had an opportunity, he had a decision to make. Is he going to take out Absalom is he going to hunt after Absalom or what will he do? Because remember, King Saul went hunting after David unjustly, but now even in a just way that King David has an opportunity to chase after Absalom. And he has this moment of decision. 
He can lose everything or he can become a Saul. And this is what we have to watch because so many of us who don't do well under authority, then we become in authority. We have a temptation to become the bad authority figures that we hated all along. Have you ever had that happen before? Now you hold the power, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And so David's approach to Saul was better he kill me than I practice his ways, and now it's the flip side, now it's being tested. But I want you to hear this, that God didn't set David free from King Saul just to turn around and become a King Saul. He set David free from King Saul so that he could be a King David. So being under authority, if you do it right, it prepares you for being in authority. And I want you to understand this, and this is really what I want you to catch, that, that God trusts responsibility into the hands of those who know how to honor authority. Let me say that again. God trusts responsibility into the hands of those who know how to honor authority. But those of us who don't honor authority well, eventually even the responsibility we have will be taken away, which leads us to point number three, and that's this. Being under authority well is part of the path to promotion. See, so many of us wanna be promoted in some way. Maybe you have a dream, maybe you have a calling from God, maybe you have an, a, you know, a thing that God has put on your heart and you want to move out of the season that you're at. But I want you to understand that being under authority is part of the path to promotion. You can't skip it, you can't jump to the next season, it's part of the path. And we have to trust ourselves to Jesus and his ways. Watch this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Do you know that we have a just judge in our father, right? And if we can entrust ourselves to his hand, understanding that being under authority is part of the path to promotion, we have to be a part of the path. Here's, let me give you just some encouragement. If, you, if God's given you a vision, if God's given you a purpose that you can see, but you haven't, you can see it with your spiritual eyes, but you can't see it with your natural eyes, let me encourage you with this. There's no human on the planet that can stand in the way of God's promotion. Some of us should have got more excited about it than that. There's no human on the planet, it doesn't matter if they're in authority, there's no human on the planet that can stand in the way when God wants to promote. The, really, the only thing that can stand in the way of our promotion is when we don't handle our current season well. When we don't learn to operate under authority, God is not gonna put us in authority. But let me also tell you this, being under authority always lasts longer than you think it should. You're like, well, I've been under authority for a while. Shouldn't we be done with this by now? And, you know, five years, 10 years, one year. It always seems to last longer than you think it should. But let me also encourage you with this. I've said it before, but when God acts, he rarely acts quickly, but he usually acts suddenly. So in other words, there's a long time, it's like, man, God, why aren't you acting? Why aren't you acting? And then all of a sudden, boom, everything changes. God is like, are you gonna do anything? Boy, it's been years, it's been three years, four years, 10 years. And then boom, in one moment, everything changes. I've told you my story before about how I, I felt like I was called to be in the ministry. I was called to be a youth pastor and years and years went by, opportunity after opportunity seemed to pass me by and in one week, everything changes. Everything changed in one week. 
You think about Joseph who was in prison. You know, how many years was he in prison being wrongfully accused? He was in prison, he was in a pit, he was in prison, he was all these places. And then in one conversation, boom, everything changed. Think about the Israelites who were slaves for 400 years. They wandered around the wilderness for 40 years and they walked around Jericho for seven days and then seven times, but in one blow of the trumpet, everything changed. See, God rarely acts quickly, but when he acts, it's usually suddenly. What am I saying? That some of you could be one conversation away from your breakthrough. Some of you could be one, one trumpet blow away from promotion. But you have to steward the season that you're in well. And honor authority, being under authority, even if they are just or unjust, that we honor them with our attitude, we honor them on the inside, we honor them in the ways that, that we, we interact with them, we serve them. Because God trusts responsibility into the hands of those who know how to honor authority. I've shared this before, but this was key in my life. Again, I felt like I was called into ministry. Saw no real opportunities. But I had this moment with, I was working for my dad and he, we were in construction. I was a teenager. And you know, teenagers and dads kind of, can sometimes, you know, we can butt heads sometimes. And, and so there's this moment where, I mean, I had a bad attitude. I was, you know, and, and somehow I got, I resigned and got fired in the same moment. I don't know how it happened, but somehow I was without a job. And, uh, and so I went off and I got another job. I'm like, fine, I'll just go get another job. And I went and got another job and I was working there just fine. And, and God began to work on my heart. And he says, you wanna be, you wanna be promoted into this calling and this ministry that, that I've put on your heart. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, then I, I need you to go back and to make things right with your dad. I'm like, but I already have a job. You may not even need me. Like, what do you mean? Like, I need you to go back with the right attitude and the right heart and try that again. Because you didn't know how to serve under authority well. And the place that I'm gonna put you, it's gonna require that you know how to do that. And so I went back, humbled myself, and asked my dad for a job. And I began to serve there for another couple years. And by the end of that, my dad said, you're, you're one of the best, hardest workers that I'd had the whole time. And, and in that environment, it was where I got promoted in an opportunity that was improbable. What am I saying? saying you may be one opportunity, one conversation, one trumpet blow away from the promotion or from the breakthrough that, that you believe that God is putting you and positioned you for, but we have to steward the season that we're at well because God trusts responsibility into the hands of those who know how to honor authority. So I'm gonna have the worship team come back up at this time. I wanna read one more scripture though. One more scripture that's gonna finish this out as they do. First Peter, it's a very famous passage of scripture. First Peter chapter two, verse 24 and 25, it says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed for you are straying like sheep but now return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. How many of you guys know that God is the ultimate good shepherd? No matter what you're going through right now, how many of you guys know that he's, he's the authority? He's in charge. And, and we can do well if we can lean into his ways. And you say, well, it doesn't feel natural for me to honor in this situation. It doesn't seem fair for me to honor. It doesn't seem right for me to respect. It doesn't seem, but this is God's ways. Jesus is our example. He's the good shepherd of our souls. He knows best. He is the one who's in authority over all of it. And he's the one who subjected himself to all this and showed us by example. So no matter what you're facing, let me just encourage you 
The Jesus way is the best way, amen? Amen, it's the best way. Would you guys stand up with me? Bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment as we get ready to worship one more time. Let me speak before we're out of here to, to one more group, one group of people. You may be here today and, and you hear a scripture like that where it says that Jesus is the shepherd of my soul or he's in charge of my life and you're like, that's not me. That's not me. Just like many of us can be one, one decision or one conversation away from a promotion. Do you realize that tonight, that in this day, you can be one decision away from a changed eternity. One faith decision away from a changed eternity. You say, well, Pastor Sean, I, I've, you know, what, what's the point? What, what if you get to the end of your life and you, and, and, and you die and you figure, figure out that all this was nothing, it wasn't true, like what, what if none of this was true and, and, I, and I surrender my life to Jesus, I start to do it the Jesus way and, and all this and, I, and then it's not true. Well, let me, let me say this, you know, if, if that were the case, which is, I do not believe to be the case because I've experienced a real living God as have billions of other people. But if that were the case, I would get to the end of my life and I will have lived a life that some people have thought was at, at least good moral teaching. Tried to help people, tried to give, tried to love people as best I could. And that would have been a decent life. But if it is true that Jesus died on the cross and he takes our sin and he is the only way to the Father, and that if we surrender our life to him, we'll spend it with him for eternity. And if we don't, if we reject him, we'll, we'll go to a godless eternity. And if that's true and you get to the end of your life and you haven't surrendered your life to God, the stakes are much higher. So the reason we take time to preach the gospel and to tell all of this is because the stakes are high. Your life is valuable to God. Eternity is forever. We wanna give you an opportunity to have one decision change your eternity. So with eyes, bowed, eyes closed and heads bowed, I just wanna give you that opportunity. Just look at your heart. Ask yourself, am I following Jesus? Have I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ? I can tell you that Jesus died and in that moment on the cross, he took all of our sins on the cross. He said, I'll, t I'll pay the price for them because there's no amount of good works that we could do to get to heaven or to get to the Father. He says, I'll pay the price for them. And he exchanged his perfect life for our sinful life. And he made a way that through the cross and through what Jesus did on the cross, God in the flesh died for us that we could get to, to the Father, that we could have a relationship with God. He rose from the dead and he offers us life today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Sean, I haven't done that, but I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to, I need to give him my all today. I need, to, I need to have that decision that by faith receive his grace to change my eternity. I just need to know if we need to take a moment out of the service to pray for you. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand right now so I can see it? Just real quick, all over the building. We're just gonna pray a prayer real quick. Anybody at all? This is your moment right now. If that's you, just lift up your hand, hold it up, hold it up high, just reaching up to God. All right. One more moment. Don't miss out. All right, see that hand. Thank you. 
It's not too late. It's not too late. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. We're going to pray. Had some people, somebody raised their hand. So we're just going to pray and we're just going to, I'm going to invite all of us to pray together. The Bible says that what, what's happening in our heart, let's confess that out. Let's speak that out. Let's like drive a stake in the ground. Let's say, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I'm doing. And so we're going to believe that in our heart, confess that with our, our mouth. And I'm going to help you do that. I'm just going to give you the words, but you supply the faith. You talk to God. We're just going to be talking to God. It's this easy. So I'm going to ask everybody to do this with us. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that you made a way for me, that you paid the price, that you took my sins, that you rose from the dead, that you give eternal life. And I surrender my life right now. I give you full control. And I believe that your grace is coming in me. Lord, we thank you so much for those who prayed that prayer those who've crossed from death into life. Your word says that they've gone from darkness into light. Lord, I pray that they would have a revelation today that they are a brand new creation, the old is past. Today is day one of a brand new life, that they have brand new spiritual DNA on the inside. And Lord, we just thank you so much for that, and we celebrate that, that you are now the shepherd of their soul. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship one more time.